Hi, are you a gifted or twice exceptional adult who feels a bit stuck in your journey? Do you have goals and dreams which you would love to achieve, but you don't know where to start or feel a little bit overwhelmed? Or maybe you have a thousand ideas, 500 projects, and get distracted by your own thoughts and would love some support on focus and accountability? Whatever gets you stuck, I wholeheartedly believe that gifted and twice exceptional specific coaching will help you unleash your power so that you can be your most authentic gifted self. I recently embarked on my journey on becoming a gifted and twice exceptional coach. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, please reach out via email at hello at giftedunleashed.com or you can find more information about my coaching offers on the website giftedunleashed.com forward slash coaching. I would love working with you and I would love to get you unstuck. So please reach out and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Unleash Monday. I am Nadia, your host and a recently identified gifted adult. This is something I never thought I would say that I'm gifted, but actually turns out that there's a lot of unidentified gifted adults out there. But because of stereotyping and stigma, those people don't know. And I'm here to raise awareness and I invite you to join my journey to find out more about this very interesting topic. I encourage you to listen a little bit longer, to dive a little bit into this subject, especially if you have never heard about it or even think this is a joke. Believe me, it's not. And once you start scratching the surface, you realize there's a whole other world out there and it might just transform your life. This podcast serves as a resource where I interview people in the field of giftedness, such as experts, but also people that are gifted and share their life stories because giftedness can take so many forms and shapes and it's just beautiful. So I would like to introduce you to today's guest. I was able to speak to Jennifer Harvey Salin, and she's the founder and director of Intergifted. It's an amazing platform where she curates all different things about giftedness. But before I say too much here, let's have a listen and let's just dive right in. Hello, Jen. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story with us. Before we start talking about all that you currently do, do you want to share a little bit about your own story and how you got interested in the topic of gifted adult? Sure. I have shared my story or bits of it here and there on our blog, on my personal blog, on my Rediscovering Yourself website on a few other interviews and podcasts. So I'll share a little bit here too. And then if people are interested, they can go digging here and there. Maybe you'll put in resource notes or something for links. I was identified as a gifted kid in school when I was seven. And I was put into a pilot program for gifted education. So that was three years from, I was raised in the U.S. And so in the U.S. system, that was grade three to five. Uh, so ages eight to 10, basically. And that was really fun. It was like, you know, enriched education. It was, you know, we got to like 
learn other languages and do special art things, do special field trips and raise animals in class and do all sorts of things that the, you know, the non-gifted kids didn't get to do. So I really had fun with that. And then when that program ended, they kind of didn't know what to do with me because the program was done, but I was already advanced in the various subjects. And so they kind of put me in this weird combination where I did some of my grade subjects, and then I did some subjects of the grade up. So I was kind of half in my grade class and then half in another grade class. So my education after that was kind of strange. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was kind of a, I didn't really belong anywhere. And, and even for some classes, they didn't know what to do with me. So they would because the timing didn't work out for me to attend the class above. So they'd put me like in the corner with a book and then they'd say, okay, learn the material. And I was just kind of on my own. So it was an odd, odd configuration. And then when I started university, then I, I kind of graduated quite fast and, and moved on with my life. And no one ever really talked about giftedness again. So even back then, I mean, they said that I was in the advanced program. It was called the magnet program, but they didn't say, well, you're gifted and this is going to follow you for the rest of your life. This is going to be a part of your life and, and your social configuration for the rest of your life. They were just like, yay, you're an easy student. Good job. And then, then afterward, they were, you're a little bit challenging because we don't know what to do with you. But since you learn fast and you get good grades, then all is fine. Everything's good. Good for you. You're faster than other people. Um, but no, but they never said, you know, you're going to, this is going to be challenging for you as an adult. So I didn't, you know, I just kind of forgot about it. I just knew that I was a little bit more advanced in my, in my learning. And then as a young adult, I really started to struggle a lot, finding the right career, getting bored intellectually with careers, causing problems because my standards were too high, being a perfectionist, you know, all of the typicals. And I was going through another parallel process of leaving a really challenging childhood and healing from a lot of what I'd gone through as a child. And so I was kind of doing these two things at once, figuring out my adult life while trying to heal from my child life. And I kind of crashed and burned in my mid-20s. And I thought, I can't keep up with the way that life, I mean, for me personally, life felt very superficial social life felt extremely superficial, work life felt extremely superficial. And I was always like, you know, trying to inject depth and, and complexity. And, and I, I had this kind of, and I'm sure any gifted person li listening to this now is kind of go, yeah, yeah. I had this kind of, you know, sort of fantasy that if I just injected enough enthusiasm, enough something, you know, in, in the friendships, in the workplace, in my relationship with my bosses or whatever, something would click for them. Like that, that they had this amount of complexity available. They were just, you know, they had just turned their back on it. And if I came in with enough enthusiasm and enough, you know, grit or whatever, that they it would come alive in them. And so I like, you know, did all of this investing in people, and then I realized, well, I realized at some point, for whatever reason, they're not willing to, I mean, the way that I interpreted it at that time was, well, they're not willing to bring their complexity to life. I didn't know why, but I just saw that they weren't willing to. I mean, I'm quoting, uh, I'm air quoting, for those of you who can't see me, I'm air quoting, willing to, this because this is what I thought. And um, so I just was like, I have to leave and I have to see what else I can find out there in the world. Like, there, I just cannot do this. I'm, I burnt out. I got physically ill. I just had to take a break. So that's what led to me leaving the U.S. And I traveled around in Europe and then I ended up living in Italy. 
And I stayed there for a long while and just decided I have to find another way forward. And it was during that time that I met my mentor, who became my mentor for years. And in some amount of years into our relationship, two or three years, she said something to me one day. She said, you know, you have a gift. And I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, lots of people tell me, wow, you're talented. Wow, you're, you know, wow, you do so many things. So I thought maybe she was saying something different, you know, and I could feel that this was different than just, just kind of this kind of, sweet, empty praise, you know, this kind of sweet, oh, wow, you're so talented. That's so great. All the things you do. What she was really talking about was, well, the way that she put it was like, you're a leader and you have to embrace that. Or, I mean, you can choose to not embrace it, but it is a fact. And so you better make a conscious choice about what you're going to do with that. Like, if you're going to reject it, you're going to suffer, but you're, you know, you're free to do that. Just do it consciously so that you're not like a victim of your own life or you embrace it and then you go forward with that and live that out. And that connected something in my mind to this giftedness that had come back around a little bit in my periphery. And this is when then all the things started to click. And then I realized, oh my God, I've been thinking nobody's willing to go to their complexity. And now I'm realizing that it's not that they're not willing to, it's just that they're not having that go on in their head. And there's no amount of me, you know, trying, 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 that's going to get it to happen. So that, sh- that shifted everything for me because I was really like burnt out working as a psychologist and a coach. I had taken a break from it because I was, because even in my, even in my work as a psychologist and coach, I was trying to inject complexity into my clients' lives. And they were like, you know, they're kind of like, wow, that's, that sounds really great what you say, but I don't really know how to apply that. You know, it was like overwhelming to them. And that was overwhelming to me to be overwhelming to them you know it really gave me this feeling like even when I show up with my full heart and I really want to help people I'm hurting them somehow by wanting the best for them and it's so strange like it's such a paradox or like a catch-22 you know like the double bind like I show up with my full self and I overwhelm and hurt people and so I was like at that point okay I have an opportunity now to pivot what I'm doing to work with a population that may be really will enjoy the enthusiasm I bring and the complexity that I bring and the way that I want to bring out complexity and bring the complexity of other people alive. Because that, of course, nourishes me as well. I mean, it's it's something where I show up with my ability to nourish somebody else and then that nourishes me back. Whereas my work before when I was working with a lot of non-gifted people, it didn't nourish me back in that way because it really messed with my self-esteem. Really made me feel like, why does me showing up hurt things? hurt people hurt relationships like because I really showed up with my heart it wasn't like I was showing up to be mean or trying to you know trying to push people unnecessarily I mean I really thought that I was doing a good job and I mean I think I did a good job sometimes but (laughs) it's like of a cultural difference right I think and once you're aware you can you can manage that but once you if you're not aware you cannot manage that so now you found that like what you're true calling is or what can bring really meaning into your life and you found it intergifted so what yeah. what is the the overall mission or vision of what you built and then let's d- dive deeper into the different segments afterwards well so when i switched uh my, my orientation toward working only with gifted clients for about five years i really only worked in private coaching with highly gifted entrepreneurs this is my specialty and because i've always been on the entrepreneurial side like from the time i was a kid i've been doing some sort of you know 
business. I was like selling floral jewelry that I made myself on the playground, uh, on the, you know, childhood playground kind of thing. So I've always loved that. And I've always been very good at entrepreneurial things. And so I wanted to work with that population. That's what I was doing. Before I had been doing a lot of career coaching. And so then I kind of transitioned it into really helping highly gifted entrepreneurs who were doing some big thing, big project. And I really enjoyed that. And then I started, I got invited to teach at the university system here in Switzerland. And so then I started a teaching PhD program. So the PhD people in psychology and the PhD people in other related disciplines about time management and how do you apply an entrepreneurial mindset, like a gifted entrepreneurial mindset to academia, to figuring out how to do really well as an academic. That was interesting. You know, it was always a mix between gifted and non-gifted people because you have plenty of both in a PhD program. So that was a bit of a challenge, but it was interesting. And it made me sort of start to see what it would look like to be like working with bigger groups of people in this way. And then right at that time, I had a client asking me, please, could you connect me with other gifted people? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure, you know, ethical because I didn't want to like mix clients. And I got... And he just persisted for like a year asking me. And so one day I finally said, well, maybe I should think about this. So I mentioned it to a couple other clients. I'm thinking about maybe possibly. And they said, we'll do everything we can to help you. I'll set up the website. I'll set up the community. I'll do this. I'll do this. So it was kind of like it, you know, really happened. This was in 2015, like sort of around April 2015. And then by August 2015, we had launched, which is quite amazing when you think about building a community. And so since then it's grown. One of the things that was kind of becoming difficult for me after those five years of working with uh, gifted entrepreneurs was that I had so much demand that I couldn't really respond to everybody. So I was like looking around, like, could I refer people to people? But there was no people to refer people to because back then saying you're a gifted adult was, if if people are embarrassed about it now in 2020, back then it was way worse. So like, people just didn't say this out loud. And especially I was living in the French part of Switzerland at that time. Like nobody said, you know, like I would, I would say the word Sioux and then people would be like, Oh my God, you're not allowed to like, you know, how dare you? So I wanted to help this to be a, a thing that isn't such a big deal. So we launched and that way I could start to connect people. And then I could start to bring professionals into my circle that maybe I could start to refer people to. So I tried at the beginning, it, we kind of went through a, a typical startup kind of thing. We went through lots of ups and downs, you know, at the beginning, a lot of trial and error. I tried with a few, let's say, less experienced professionals at the beginning. And I thought, well, it, it'll work. They understand the gifted experience. So even though they have less experience in general, they'll be okay because they kind of bring the peer experience to it. And I realized over time that people really needed a lot more training and how do you actually understand like gifted specific psychology? How do you really work with somebody that's going through like the giftedness discovery process, which is not easy. It takes a lot of people going through a lot of stages, like sometimes grief and, you know, anger and bargaining and kind of commitment to rebuilding their lives. I mean, it's a very complex process for a lot of people to learn that they're gifted as an adult. And so then I started training therapists and coaches and built up this lovely uh, network of coaches that we have. And then we have an extended network of therapists that we refer to as well. And this was like a huge weight off my shoulders because, you know, I'm, I'm good at what I do, but I'm not, I'm not everybody. (laughs) I can't do what everybody, you know, I can't give the gifts of everybody. I can only give my own and the other gifts are needed. You know, any, any, like you said, like 
giftedness is kind of a culture and any culture sort of needs its own support professionals like its own ecosystem of support professionals not there's no one person that can just do it all so this was really great for me because then it kind of normalized the whole thing about giftedness and gifted adults and gifted adults seeking seeking a therapist or a coach because if you look around you see one you can go, ah, well, maybe I like, that's kind of weird. She's probably strange. And you know, that's it. But if you look around, you see 20, you go, well, these people actually took the time to train in this. And so it must be a thing. And it becomes easier to say the word, essentially dig into getting support like that. So now we have, it always varies because it depends on who's active and who's not and stuff, but we have something around 20 coaches around the world. And I do quite a few trainings a year for coaches and therapists on gifted specific psychology. You actually get people to own the term giftedness. Because I was talking to Marie-Lise Schlappi and she was saying, maybe don't call it what it is because the unidentified gifted adults, they might not resonate with the term. And so yeah. you really now say like, okay, let's let's own the term and let's make it less awkward and make it normal yeah very much so because when i was doing doing work with highly gifted entrepreneurs only i was like half in the closet about it at the beginning i was like you know so even on my rediscovering yourself website my private practice i was like you, you, the tagline is coaching for the gifted curious and unique or something i'm probably mixing them up but those are the three words in there and i even struggled there i was like do i put gifted you know do I leave curious do I put bright instead of gifted and, and like no I'm putting it in there and then we'll see what happens and then I thought well maybe I need to come up with like a new terminology like a new like one of the coaches that's in our network Willem Kuypers he came up with this new way of talking about it so he calls it XI so it's like this idea of extra intelligence or extra intensity and he came up with a whole like taxonomy around that which is really cool but if somebody's looking up, okay, I'm too, I'm too intense. I'm, I think too much. I have too many complex thoughts. They're typing this into Google. It's not typically going to go to his thing because his thing is like marginal, even though it's really great. It's marginal. What it is going to come up to is giftedness. So I'm like, well, if I invent another thing, then I just confuse the field even more. Like, why not embrace the thing that it's called, even if maybe people aren't like, right, going to think, they're not going to type in, am I gifted? You know, they're going to type in, why am I, I mean, I, I hear this all the time because, you know, people give me feedback about how they found intergifted. And sometimes we can see behind the scenes, like what people type into Google to find us. And that's always funny because it's like, typically, why am I too much for people? Why can't I get my mind stopped thinking? You know, all these kinds of things. Am I crazy? You know, I'm thinking too much. Am I crazy? And it comes to us because like, that's, you know, that's what the kinds of words, you know, lead to, they lead to giftedness. And so I thought if I want to help people and I want to be giving them resources and stuff, it's always going to be about giftedness, things that say the word gifted. So why should I have another thing and then say, well, but if you really want to dig deeper into this, you're going to have to go into the giftedness research. And then what do you call yourself afterward? You know, so there's all sorts of words around it. The Renaissance soul, some people kind of put multi-potentialism with giftedness, even though it's not exactly the same thing. There's the highly sensitive person, which isn't the same thing, but there's a lot of overlap. So you have all of these kind of different things. 
things, you know. And then, like in the French-speaking world, they, you know, they call themselves the zebras. So there's all in every different culture and every different language. There's kind of these different ways of approaching the thing. High potential is one of the common ones in a lot of other languages and stuff. So, okay, you're probably going to end up somewhere around giftedness anyway, even if you don't call it that. But I guess for efficiency's sake, in the end, I was like, I'm just not wasting my time with any of this. I'm going straight to the word and. We'll just change the emotional drama around it so that it's just not a big deal. <laughs> it's taken a while, but it's happening. I love it. So let's keep embracing it and let's not make a taboo out of it and like, shh, gift it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because I think that's the whole thing. I mean, a lot of us grew up feeling a lot of shame for how our minds were weird. And it's like, do I really need to spend the next, I'm 40 now do I really need to spend the next you know, 40 years of my life if I'm lucky to live that long feeling embarrassed about saying I'm this thing? Okay, no, I don't go shout it on the rooftops or like if I meet a woman out at the shop, I don't say, hey, I'm gifted. I mean, that would be totally socially inappropriate. But in my closer social circles, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it and people know. And it's like, I don't know, you're, um, you're a woman, I'm a woman, I'm gifted, you're, I don't know, Jewish. Like, I don't know, like, there's yeah. just, you just, it just is what it is. And there's just no, it's, there's there no. shouldn't be shame around it or taboo or, yeah. and also fighting all the stereotype, right? And I also learned that a lot of women are underdiagnosed, especially, right? Uh, children yes. still, it's more the boys that get identified. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what you offer. So you also do assessments for people that yes. might think they're gifted once they have once they put all the Google words, the search yeah. engine words, the yeah. am I too much? Am I too intense? Am I crazy? Yeah, exactly. Um, so they find your site and then they can do an assessment. So there's also a lot of controversial about the IQ test, but can you share a little bit about how you uh, do the assessments, what it entails? Do people need to be scared? Like I haven't done the full assessment yet. I just had like a, an exchange with a therapist for an hour and she's like, yeah, you probably fall into this category. But what is the test? Do you need to be scared? And just share a little bit. Yeah. Well, no need to be scared. <laughs> Although I do understand that it's it can be an emotional process for people who you know, haven't shared this information with anybody sometimes, like they've been keeping all of their complexity in their head sometimes. And then, you know, to say it to a professional can be a little bit overwhelming, but we really provide, let's say a safe and, you know, it's, it's a process that we've, te you know, done trial and error uh, over the years to figure out like, what is the, what is the best way to uh, address this information and have the discussion and, and everything so that most people end up feeling super comfortable afterward. And we always advise people, like, if you're in a state of like extreme fear, if you are not emotionally stable, if you're dealing with like, men you know, mental, like significant mental health issues um, that are not currently managed, this is not the time. You know, if you're, if you're in financial difficulty, if you're, whatever's going on, if your life isn't in a relatively stable spot, the various levels, then wait, you know, wait till you're, because it's a lot of information to bring up for yourself uh, to share. And then it's, it's a lot of information to take in. So you want to be able to do that in a moment when you can really apply it and like listen to it and, and give your best. So that's already, you know, like we tell people that it, that contact us and say, well, I'm in a real tough time right now, but I'd really like to do what we say. Okay, we'll put you on the list. And then you contact us later when the time is right. The way we do it is through qualitative assessments. And so we take in a lot of information from 
clients, from assessment clients, but we don't do any like IQ testing. Like there's no testing. We always laugh because sometimes people send us and say, can I take the test? And then we want to respond back. There's no testing. <laughs> you know, IQ testing is, is, it is what it is. And it's a good tool for what it can be used as a good tool for, but it's very limiting because in the end, if you get a score of 130 or 150 or 170, then what? What do you do with that? It doesn't give you, I mean, it gives you the idea that you're good at abstractions or if you, you know, depending, there are the various um, elements of an IQ test. So there's the verbal processing, there's the working memory score. So there's the different kind of, uh, there's the differentiations in there. So you could say, I have really good working memory, but then what do you do with that in real life? Like, what does that translate to? So our process looks more at giftedness, like in a holistic way at the various intelligences. So I've kind of developed a model based on all my research over the years that works with six basic areas of intelligence. So that's intellectual, which is the most, let's say, gifted specific. I mean, when I say a gifted person in general, I'm usually talking about an intellectually gifted person because you could be creatively gifted and not intellectually gifted. And in the in my world, the way that I work with the term gifted, it's always intellectually gifted. But with the intellectual giftedness, you could have any of the other five areas of intelligence in various ways. So you could be really highly intellectually gifted and very low on emotional intelligence, for example, or really high on emotional intelligence and a, a little bit less so on intellectual intelligence. And then there's creative intelligence, existential intelligence, physical intelligence, and sensual intelligence. And so like uh, somebody who's really good at physical intelligence might be really skilled at sports or handcrafts or piano or something like this. Somebody that's really good at sensual intelligence might be a naturalist, somebody that's really good at being in the world, caring for animals, or maybe really good at design, physical, like harmony, these kinds of things. What did I leave out? Creative. That's kind of obvious. Everything creative. And that doesn't just have to be art. Of course, that can be like a creative thinker or somebody who's really good. Like you could be a very creative mathematical thinker and, or you could just be kind of like a formulaic mathematical thinker. So it's kind of creativity is, is a large, in the large sense of the word, but a lot of times it does center around something having to do with, with the arts. Have I missed any of them? I don't think so. So basically the assessment is just a verbal exchange or do you also do like feedback from from family members or people no we don't get into that but we do really ask like about the family background and a lot of times it comes out in the discussion like what people's feedback is about the person so they'll say yeah my co-workers always tell me that I'm you know too much or that I'm so it, it kind of comes out in the assessment we do. So we have kind of the two components. There's a pre, there's a written component. So we have people read a series of articles, the ones that I've written, and looking at the different areas of intelligence and kind of writing out, like, how do they experience that? Do they, for example, with existential intelligence, do they, oh, I think that's the one I forgot to say. So with existential intelligence, what are examples of that in their life? Like, do they think a lot about values? Do they think a lot about what's beyond what we can actually see? The meaning of life, the meaning of like the interconnected web of relationships or the interconnected web of the world of the ecological world or something. And so they're writing all of this out for us before, and then we analyze what they submit to us. And then we have a discussion where we ask them a lot of additional questions and then kind of present what we think we see. And along with the areas of intelligence, we do look at overexcitabilities. And it's worth saying that overexcitabilities, most people who are like beginners to the world of uh, giftedness, think that overexcitabilities are the same thing as the areas of intelligence. Like if you say, I have an overexcitability of, like I have an intellectual overexcitability, that that's the same thing as 
being intellectually gifted, but it's actually not the same thing. Can you explain a little bit? I haven't heard about this yet. So. Oh, okay. So this overexcitabilities was from the work of Kazimierz Stabowski, and he uh, was a Polish a psychiatrist that was doing research in the last century with lots of people, but also gifted people. And so he said that some people have kind of a heightened nervous system where they sense more things. And so he had these five areas, which correspond to five of the six areas of intelligence that I delineate in my model that I work with. Um, so his were psychomotor, which is the physical, sensual, which is kind of what I said before about the area of intelligence, uh, emotional, imaginational, which is similar to creative. And, oh, did I say the intellectual one? Yes. Okay. So the intellectual one is the other. And the idea is that you can be overexcitable and that you're taking in way more information. So maybe a person that is, uh, let's say, emotionally overexcitable, they're taking in a lot of emotional information. And so there's like an aliveness or a, in, well, I mean, the, the key word usually with overexcitabilities is intensity. So you have like this emotional intensity. And we all have known emotionally intense people who are not also emotionally intelligent. And this is how I really differentiate them. You can be very complex and emotionally intelligent, or you can be very emotionally intense. And those two, or you can be both, but you can be one or the other or neither. You know, a lot of people have wanted, and this is especially true with, you know, parents raising kids, they've wanted, or it's a hard way to say it, but I'll just say it this way. It might sound a bit judgmental and I don't mean it that way at all, but they've wanted to say that the problems that their children are having are related to overexcitabilities and that overexcitabilities are the same thing as giftedness. And so if it falls under giftedness, then there's no problem. So instead of saying, well, my child has um, emotional outbursts and problems and has this intensity that we need to control, then they'll say, well, it's an overexcitability related to giftedness. And we don't want to stand in the way of his giftedness. So we let it be fine. And I mean, this is a real example that I've heard many times. So it's, I'm not just making that up. It's, and I, it's comforting to a parent to think, well, then I don't have to, you know, do anything. I don't have to like medicate my child or I don't have to like get him therapy or something. Sometimes it's accurate that it is coming from giftedness. And then many times it's not. And so it's really good to separate these two things out because I think for a lot of people listening, it's really helpful to separate those things out, especially as for somebody who's just discovering giftedness and is finding all this information out about overexcitabilities and getting really confused because I did too, most people do, and then they just lump it all together. And that's not very helpful for them figuring out the differences of their profile. So we help people look at what is intelligence, what is intensity. So I sometimes call it what is complexity, what is complex intelligence, and what is let's say, just intensity, volume, you know, and what are the two of those things together or neither, you know, and so which one is it in which profile? And I meet lots of gifted people who don't really have the overexcitabilities. It just looks like a calmer version of very complex. But a lot of times people that have all of the overexcitabilities or some of them, they meet the non-overexcitability gifted person and they go, well, they must not be gifted because they're not as over the top intense 
as I am. And that's my giftedness showing itself. And I'm like, no, not necessarily. Your giftedness might be showing itself through overexcitabilities, but that's your overexcitabilities. So it's two separate things. You can be neither, you can be one or the other, or you can be both. Thank you for clarifying this. I think this is really helpful information. I just want to add one more thing because we also look just to kind of give a complete picture of the assessments is that we also look at twice exceptionalities. So anything that comes along with it, autism, learning disabilities, sometimes we look at like physical health issues or mental health issues. I mean, we always look at whatever's involved in the person's profile because physical and mental health issues really can affect the way that our giftedness shows up in sometimes, I can't say positive and negative ways because I'm talking about health issues, but Sometimes, you know, different life circumstances bring out different aspects of our intelligence. And so if maybe we've been physically ill, it might have brought out like the healing gifts, for example, that we have or something like this that we wouldn't have normally learned. And so we talk about that. And with that, then we talk about trauma as well, gifted specific trauma. Well, all trauma, but especially gifted specific, because a lot of us that grew up feeling shame about our giftedness or the way that our mind worked or whatever, we didn't learn to feel safe expressing those aspects of ourselves. And so then that's important to know about because you could be really, really gifted. But every time that you started asking your intellectual questions, they got shut down. And so you actually don't know how to engage with that part of yourself anymore in a safe way. So we really look at that. And a lot of our recommendations, we always give like very personalized recommendations. And a lot of our recommendations are about how to liberate whatever aspects are kind of stuck inside or blocked or whatever aren't able to freely express themselves giftedness and otherwise, but gifted specific. I mean, that's what we're obviously focusing the most on. So we refer sometimes to our therapists in our extended network, sometimes to our coaches. Sometimes we refer to other things that we know will be helpful, other programs, or uh, a lot of times we're referring to like uh, somatic therapy. So really working with the body because a lot of gifted people were just like, stuck in our minds and we forget we have this other thing going on and so somatic therapy is a really helpful way to get feeling safe again with one's full self-expression with other people because the social aspect i mean we didn't even go there yet but the social aspect is you know can be highly traumatic for a lot of people not fitting in and you know developing a lot of a lot of limitations for how they self-express because of the social aspect So you basically really created a whole space for all the gifted people, the ones that already know that are gifted, the ones that come for an assessment. You refer them to coaching or therapy. You actually train therapists and coaches on the subject. You created a whole community around this. So for the listeners, like where can we find you and where can they connect with you? It's the little oasis. That's my joke. It's the little oasis in the desert. Like it's the gifted oasis in the neuronorm desert. That's what my little joke is. And it sort of is. I mean, and the funny thing is people say, wow, well, that's so great. You did all these things. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But I did it out of necessity in the sense that, I mean, I would have loved if they just already existed and I could just plug in. I mean, I would have loved these services for me years and years and years ago and I didn't have them. And so, yeah, for me, it's been sort of a necessity. and. To, to build this for people so that they don't have to, you know, arduously make their way through the, through the neuro norm desert without any oases. So yeah, we have our website, which is intergifted.com. And then from there, there's tons of menu options because we have all of these things going on. So, but once you get to the website, it's pretty obvious that we have our coaching, we have our assessments, we have our community. And then we have 
two, one is on hiatus, but we have two extended communities. One is the gifted mindfulness community with our coach Kelly Pride. And that's for people who are really ready to get into mindfulness practice. And but that's not just like just so you can like feel peaceful or something. It's really like a tool for self-discovery and to work skillfully with the brain the way that it is the gifted brain and to be able to provide oneself a safe space for the whole giftedness life journey personal and social so that she she has an extended community and we partner together to make that happen Uh, so they'll be able to find that there's a partner tab there on our website as well and our other one is intrepid integrity that's currently on hold but that's for people really working hard toward expressing authentically gifted people like learning how to express their gifts authentically without shame so when that's back around there will be more information on that and i also do with my collaborator karen who basically helps me do everything uh, we do some work around ecological awareness and plugging into the situation that we're in globally and doing our part kind of healing from like climate related grief and ecological grief and then really getting engaged and finding a way to use our gifts to make the world a better place so that's also on there that's called i heart earth that's particularly dear to my heart of course and then we have our courses and workshops and all the kinds of seminar. Right now we have a great seminar going on that's about develop gifted resilience. That's with our coach, Marion Key, who does offer a lot of things. Uh, interesting for your listeners, probably she is our expert at multi-potential light living for gifted people. So she has a course that she regularly gives through Intergifted on how to thrive as a multi-potentialite in this world, uh, which is great. And so, yeah, I mean, we have gifted men's group. We've got all kinds of specialty things for everything gifted. Come, yeah, come and yeah. go to Intergifted. Awesome. Yeah. So as a last kind of words of wisdom, is there anything you would like to share or is there anything you w- wish you knew earlier or you wish the listeners to know? Like, is there anything you want to share? Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing is like when the giftedness discovery happens, a lot of times we think, okay, how can I as quickly as I can like integrate this into my identity? I know it. I don't have to tell anybody. And then I just go the rest of my life is smooth and sweet. And that's nice. It's a nice dream, but it's not realistic. It doesn't happen that way for any of us. And that's not to say, well, it's going to be an arduous, you know, 20-year climb. I mean, it totally depends on your background. But for most people, it really takes some time to get used to like shifting to be able to see yourself as this and see what that means to you. And I've had people, you know, over the years say, yeah, well, uh, what does it matter if I invest in understanding this part of myself or not? Like, I still have to live in this world. And I'm like, well, it just depends on the quality of life you want. And I like the term that Kelly Pride uses in terms of like mindfulness and working with mindfulness is you really want to skillfully live your life, then you got to know who you are. And the way I write about it typically is like, if you know your, you know your body and this is the nutrition you need and this is, but you have to know it, you have to like learn it and figure it out. If you know these different intersectionalities about yourself, whatever they are, I'm a woman, I'm an American, I'm now I'm Swiss as well. I'm living at this time in history. I'm living in this world climate. And so like, I need to know these things. So I know how I interact with my world. And without doing that, a lot of people risk kind of living in what we call like the self-generated reality, where you're just kind of like insular and on your own. And 
I got it. I don't have to like really plug into the knowledge out there. And, you know, it can be kind of ironic because usually gifted people are like, let me research everything and learn everything. But a lot of times then gifted people find out they're gifted and they're like, I don't want to look at, I'm just like hands off, close my eyes. Exactly. Put on the blinders. And there's everything in between. I mean, there are the people that dig right into it. There are people that, that go into total denial and just don't want to look at it at all. Paying attention to what your response is and what happens to you and really getting the right support to figure out how to do this like in a sustainable long-term way because it really is a long-term project. Because every time we go through a life change or just you know as we age and our sort of, let's say, developmental tasks or psychological tasks of the moment or meaning of the moment, you know, it, it all changes at 40 my tasks and development are different than they were at 25. And if I say at 25, okay, I got the giftedness thing. Cool. Never have to think about it again. When I'm 40, the whole configuration has changed. And I really need to keep that in mind. I still need to keep that in mind. And all, all along the way, I need to be keeping that in mind. I also think it keeping it in mind and working skillfully with it gives you the opportunity to be a generative partner in your relationships. So whether that be with friends or at work or, or whatever else, People who go into denial or kind of only half-heartedly research or half-heartedly do the integration process, a lot of times they're bringing a lot of emotional baggage into their relationships and a lot of gifted baggage, I would say, unprocessed gifted baggage. And it's really heavy for friends and it's not fair. Friends are they're not there to put up with stuff you're not willing to look at. You know what I mean? That's not what their purpose is. That's what a therapist <laughs> can do, but a friend isn't there for that. And, and so it's helpful to be able to really be a generative friend and a very present friend when you're able to really look at yourself. Because if you're carrying any shame, if you're carrying denial, if you're carrying any of that, that spills into your friendships, work relationships and, and everything else. And then also like on the extended version, you know, it's like because our world is in such a state of, you know, global crisis, we're all needed, you know, as the saying in American English anyway goes, all hands on deck are needed. And we really, you know, I don't think that gifted people are like, the ones who have to save the world or something because there's that delusion as well. Like, oh, you're a genius, so you'll have to save the world. No, I, no, that's not how it works either. But we all do need to show up, you know, with whatever our gifts are, whether we're, quote, gifted or not, we need to show up and be participating in the transformation that needs to happen on a global level. So if you don't do your giftedness integration, yes, you're still working with ego issues, identity issues, you know, you're bringing the baggage even into your relationship with the world and your ability to contribute. And so, yeah, I mean, that might be a bit further down the road when just when somebody's first learning about giftedness. But I say that because it's almost like from a mentor's point of view, like save yourself the trouble of like being in denial for a bunch of time then not being a good friend and then not being a good contributor to our global interbeing web kind of thing. Do the groundwork now. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was really eye-opening. I learned a lot and I believe the listeners did too. And thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me and hearing what I have to share. Wow. What an amazing story. Thank you so much, Jen, for sharing all of that with us and for creating such a beautiful space for people to feel safe. If you liked this episode, it would really mean a lot if you could subscribe to the podcast. And if it's not too much trouble, leave me a review. That will really mean the world. I would also really love to hear what you have to say. So you find me on Instagram at unleash.monday 
or you find a website at unleashmonday.com. I'm happy you're here and thank you so much for your time and I'll see you in two weeks. Bye.